Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Hallelujah. So as you know, uh, I like the, the Ghanaian greeting. Morning, morning. Morning. Fine morning. Good morning. <laughs> Amen. And as you know, you know, this year we entered 2020 not with a prophetic word that said there was going to be Kuro. You know, uh, if, if we say that we got a word that said ACC, 2020, there's going to be a pandemic. That's a lie. But if you remember, those of us who were with us 31st night, we had a bonfire, you know, on the beach. We had a lot of fun. And the word for the year, who remembers Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may incline our hearts to wisdom. Amen. God drew our attention to the brevity of life. And the need to maximize every single day. So we set into the year. Right on 1st January, we had two seminars. We had a seminar on time management, on goal setting. And then we had another one on budgeting. Amen. They didn't sound spiritual at all. But when COVID happened and people were being laid off and companies where everything was, you know, tanking, all of a sudden, people needed to revisit their budgeting <laughs> skills and their goal setting because all of a sudden, you had time on your hand and you could stay at home and just grumble and get depressed or you could do the course you always wanted to do, you know, chart a new path and all that. So, in God's own way, he prepared us. Amen. And around the heat of the COVID, as a church, we started treating the person of the Holy Spirit and then we got into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We focus on the nine gifts. And then now we are in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's just one fruit. You know, God didn't make it fruits. If it was fruits, we could be selective about it. But he made it just one fruit. But it's a fruit that has many elements. Amen. And we've been focusing on the first element of them all, which is also the greatest of them all, which is love. Amen. And we've talked about love as you will typically hear in church. Churches love to make you know that in the Greek love, there are many different words for love. So there is agape, there is this, there is that, and all that, and try and, you know, break down the Greek. But we've been looking at love in a more practical sense, amen. How do I practically walk in love? How do I practically manifest love? Amen. And today we are treating self-love. The more politically correct term for it is self-care self-care and why must the christian practice self-care we are a religion that is based on on denial of self but the thing about denial of self is not denial so to deny myself is very very different from to walk in denial to walk in denial is to say that oh that didn't happen to me oh i wasn't a victim uh that's not my story that's not my baggage when it actually is. You know? And many times we take the call to 
deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus, we interpret it to mean to walk in denial. So sometimes you meet people in church and they are praying in tongues and they are shouting and they are fasting left, right, center. I met a man who fasted 37 days and I was so impressed. And so my cousin drew my attention to the fact that in the Bible, nobody fasted for 37 days. And he was sure the man was trying to go for 40, but nearly died at 37, so he stopped. <laughs> but you know, we do all these things. And, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's impressive when Christians are eager to seek God. But many times, you know, I grew up in church. I became born again in the 80s, early 80s. And I can tell you many, many times this overzealous expression of faith is actually just denial of reality. It's just denial of the trauma of our childhood or the trauma in our marriages or the trauma in our pockets. Many times, so, so we've been to churches where if you are sick, you say, I am well. You know, so today, there are, up to today, there are people in my life, if they call me and say, oh, I am well, I know they are sick. <laughs> if they, you know, if they call, and, they, 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 and they, there's always a scripture to justify it. Always a scripture to justify walking in denial. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible doesn't teach us to walk in denial, but to deny ourselves. But to deny yourself effectively for the sake of the kingdom, you must know the self you are denying. It's extremely important. And this is where self-care comes in. So we're going to do a little test. We've been studying 1 Corinthians 13. You know, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and I have no love, I'm like a clanging cymbal and a tinkling bell and, da -da -da -da, and then we go on. And then in verse 4, there are two words as our brother Matthew pointed out in in an earlier sermon a few weeks ago, there are only two words that describe, that define what love is in 1 Corinthians 13. The Apostle Paul writes and says, love is patient and kind. So this is the first test of self-love. Are you patient with yourself? Are you kind to yourself? When there's nobody around, and you made a mistake. How do you speak to yourself because you made a mistake? Do you slap yourself and look at yourself and say, why are you so stupid? How can you do that? Why do you do that? <laughs> are you kinder to strangers, to the brethren in the church? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. How are you? Are you more polite towards me than you are towards yourself? Are you more tolerant of my mistakes than you are to your own mistakes? This is the litmus test for love, according to the scriptures. Love is patient and kind. So if you are mean to yourself and rude to yourself, there's a shortage on love. There's a shortage on love. And what we have to remember is that you can't draw water from a dry well. <laughs> you try. You try. But your bucket will hit the bottom of the well and all that will come up is sand. You can't draw water 
from a dry well. In Luke chapter 10, there's the amazing story of the Good Samaritan. And if you grew up in church, you know that story about this arrogant young theologian who comes to Jesus and tries to question Jesus and tries to corner Jesus. And Jesus asks him, what does the law say? And the man says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And Jesus says, this is the summary of all the law. Love God, love neighbor, but as you love self. Amen. In other words, the person who has no proper appreciation of self cannot love neighbor. Listen, many times when you meet people who are rude, extremely rude and, and angry and, and they just vent it and pour it on you, it's not about you. They don't even know you. You know, it's just a, a parking lot situation. You know, it's just a, <laughs> a traffic jam situation. You know, it's just an office situation. They don't even know you. They are not angry at you. They are angry at self. Everything they are doing is just a manifestation of how little they love themselves. So, you cannot fulfill this single command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and love neighbor as self. If you don't love self, it's not possible. As part of practically walking in love and now self-care to think better about ourselves and to embrace, to embrace where there's been hurt and where there's been pain, to properly embrace it and to recover from it. There are a few things we need to learn from scripture, amen, which would inform the new habits we would have to form and the new ways we treat ourselves. One of the first things I want us to look at is from Luke chapter 15. It's also another very popular story, but there's a little insight in there. I believe that the Bible is full of insights and you know, little nuggets you can grab onto that make life more meaningful and much, much more fulfilling. So Luke 15 from verse 25 is a story of the prodigals. I mean, before 25, but basically we are in the center of the story of the prodigal son. So from verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants who was going on. Asked, sorry, asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied. Verse 29. All these years I have slayed, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money, 
on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Can you feel the resentment in the big brother's voice? He says, all these years, he is a son. He isn't just a son. He's the firstborn son. In a society where a bigger portion of the inheritance goes to the firstborn son. You know that, yes, the younger brother may have gone away with his inheritance and squandered it. But a bigger part of the property of the wealth was still intact. Because the firstborn son is alive. And he'd been slaving away even though he was a prince. He'd been slaving away. But his father hadn't asked him to. And he had always wanted to have a party. Always wanted to at least kill one little goat. And yet, he hadn't. And he thinks <laughs> the wasteful brother is the problem. But beloved, many of us live our lives like that. We sacrifice and sacrifice and we slave away for our children. We slave away for our spouses. We slave away for our companies we work for. We slave away for the government. We slave away for everybody else. And then at some point, all that is left, instead of there being gratitude and, and joy, all that is left is just resentment. But like the father tells the son, everything I have is yours. How many of us buy nice things for ourselves just to pamper ourselves? Do you ever buy anything for yourself that is not a need, it's not a necessity? You know, it is not a fridge, you know, like we need a new fridge in the house. You know, so you put a ribbon on the fridge. Listen, it is a fridge is not a gift. You know, a microwave is not a gift. You know, if you buy a tool you use for your work, it is not a gift. You understand? Many of us must learn to pamper ourselves. You know, you work hard. You take care of everybody else. You buy anything that appears luxurious and then you are, you know, smitten with guilt. Oh, why am I being so wasteful? Why am I being so frivolous? You know, you see the dress like, oh, I, I can't buy this. Oh, it's too expensive. And yet people take more than that out of you every single day. You know, they take, they go, hello, sister. You know, my daughter is sick. Yes, they were. And then you mumble their money. And then you mumble their money. And I go, and then you send, you send, you send. And if you are not careful, if you don't check, listen, it's okay to be generous. But the command is to love neighbor as you love self. Amen. It isn't more than. There is always a danger when we go beyond the confines God has set for us. When we do more than he, requir he, more than he, he, he requires. Always a danger. And like the older brother, when we do that, 
we must be careful. Please learn to pamper yourself. It's okay to get a massage. There are many very decent places, very clean, you know. Go and have your pedicure and manicure. Get in the sauna, you know. Not every day, not every day, you know. But take time to pamper yourself. Amen. Happy yourself. Happy yourself. You know, you've become the bank of your extended family. Sometimes you even change money into dollars and pounds to send to relatives who are stranded abroad. You're in Ghana, and then you will change euro, dollar, whatever, and you send. And you can't buy a decent shirt for yourself. Anything that is being spiritual? <laughs> no. You will end up being resentful. So you look at that, and I did this for that. They won't even take you. Who sent you? Who sent you? You know, when Ananias and Sapphira came to Peter with their lie, Peter said, the property wasn't at yours. This is the first principle of stewardship. It is yours. Your salary, it is yours. The money, it is yours. It has your name on it. He said, and when you sold it, the money wasn't it yours. It was yours. So why do you come before God and tell a lie? It's not necessary. Nobody is asking you to give more than you can. It is not necessary. Because when you do that, it doesn't help you. Amen. Listen, it's nice to pray and nice to speak in tongues, you know, and command and declare and proclaim. But the scriptures are very practical. Amen. And all these stories are there for our benefit. The other point I want to make is when we talk about self-care or loving self, the Christian way. You have to remember that this body, I'm not talking your spirit, your soul, you know. It's nice to go to church and memorize scripture and feed your soul, you know, the way that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself and building my inner man. Yes, all that is good. But you know, when you ask God for his house number, if you call heaven right now and I have God's phone number, I'll give it to you. It starts with plus 233. He lives in Ghana. When you call, <laughs> that's true. But if you dial heaven and say, oh God, I hear you live, in, you live in Ghana. What's your house number? Do you know the house number he will give? He has a house number. Do you know God's house number? <laughs> that's your name. You are his house number. Amen. You are God's house number. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And in case they wouldn't understand it, you know, he uses more words to say what he has already said. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Amen. 
this is the scriptures. If you start from verse 12, he's talking about, you know, people sleeping around anyhow and da, 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 and the possibility of infections. We like to spiritualize a lot of scriptures. But it tells you, he who sleeps with the prostitute becomes one with them. Basically, and this was before a lot of the uh, antibiotics and medications were invented. So back in the day, basically, you slept with a hook. Everything she had, you got. You carry the infection home. <laughs> so it's that basically what I'm saying is the scriptures are not always that spiritual. Sometimes it's also very scientific. You know, These were the days before contraceptives were were manufactured and all that. So everything you picked on the streets, you carried home. All the infections and all the diseases. But even beyond that, also the damage to your spirit. But he's talking about the physical, the body. Amen. So this case is about all the diseases you can carry home if you live that kind of life. See, don't you know that this body of yours is God's temple? It is where God lives. Someday, we hope Accra Community Church will have a very beautiful church building in Accra and all that. But let me tell you the truth. It doesn't matter how amazing a church building looks, whether it's a cathedral in, in, in the Vatican, St. Peter's, or somewhere in Yamusukro, you know, with the biggest whatever and all that. God doesn't live there. <laughs> it is nice. It will have all the religious motifs and the most ancient of books and holy grail and blah, blah, blah. God doesn't live there. It's all for show. It gives you the appearance of holiness. God doesn't live there. You are his house number. Amen. He Not only does the Bible say God lives in you, but he says you are a, you are a residence, in a, you know, a very, very expensive residence. Amen. So, I don't know the most expensive neighborhood in Ghana, but find the most expensive house in the most expensive neighbor, neighborhood and say, that's, what, that's you. That's what the scriptures say. This is what we just read. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You're a very expensive building. Oh. So you have to take good care of yourself. Amen. So we say, oh, exercise, do this, do this. But this is the most important thing about this temple. If this is the only place where God can live, when this temple collapses, you have to check out. In fact, even you yourself, it is only this body you can live in. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. The day this body becomes uninhabitable, you have to check out. You have no business being here. You get it. The day this body becomes uninhabitable, you have to check out. So sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to hit the gym. <laughs> you know, to go for a medical checkup and, and to follow the prescription of the doctor and make sure that you get healthy because this is where God lives. It's like making, doing some renovation in your house. You know, I was telling my wife, oh, Christmas is coming. It would be nice if we could repaint our house. And she reminded me there's actually work to do before the painting if we want the house to get into proper shape. It's the same with this body. It is the temple. It is where God lives. Amen. We also want to look at mental and emotional well-being. The biggest battles you'll ever fight, ever, like the biggest battles you'll ever fight, will be in your mind. 
colonialism didn't start with ships coming on the shores of Elmina. It started with a mind. With somebody thinking, I'm looking for cheap labor. I'm looking for gold for the price of a mirror. <laughs> Let me see where in the world I can go and grab and grab and grab and grab. So ultimately, it was about economics. But to effectively rob others, you have to find a story. So today, you still go to churches in Africa and you see a white Jesus with blonde hair and blue eyes. And yet the Bible tells you this man was a Palestinian Jew. He didn't have blue eyes and blonde hair. He didn't have skin the color of milk. <laughs> but why? Because somebody had to give you a God who looked like him. So when you think God, you think him or her. It's his mind. And even though we're given the Bible, for a long time we refuse to read it. <laughs> we refuse to read it. You know? So T.D. Jakes will tell you, he says, for years we're screaming at the darkness, <laughs> but now we've decided to light a candle at it. And this is the story of Africa. May the Lord have mercy. I remember when an African president, a Ghanaian president, went to greet the Queen of England, and he cuddled her royal highness the president of a sovereign state and then they made a billboard and posted it at Kwame Nkrumah Circle <laughs> the president of Ghana bows before the queen and it's a billboard we are supposed to celebrate it's the mind somebody said whether you can or you can't <laughs> you are right <laughs> it's the mind Amen. So the Bible tells us Paul Rice, and he's probably writing from prison. Most of his letters were written from prison. Prison gave him a lot more time on his hands. So he put them to good use. So he writes from prison and he says, and now Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Before I forget, this is the most important thing, so remember it. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. These are the words coming from somebody who is in prison. Amen. It doesn't matter where you physically are at. If your mind is in a bad place, you are in a bad state. That's why you can be as rich as whoever and have suicidal thoughts. That's why you can be in the marketplace and feel extremely lonely. I don't know if these are just my experiences or you can relate. So the Apostle Paul says, fix your mind. Don't just take it there. Don't let your mind stray into good territory. Take your mind into good territory and fix it there. Nail it. Nail your mind to what is true. What is true? What is true is what God says about you. Amen. They'll tell you you come from a, words I can't say, from the pulpit country. They'll say you are hippic. They'll say this. And yet, every other continent, every other country depends on Africa. You bought a flight to Africa, 
from anywhere in the world. And majority of the people are not Africans. And they are coming here for human resource. They are coming here. So basically, for example, New York has more Ghanaian doctors than Ghana has. Just New York. And then they'll tell you, you come from a poor country. <laughs> this is just human resource. This is just doctors in one city from Ghana. Just New York. Are you poor? They come to you for human resource. They come to you for gold, for diamond, for timber, for bauxite, for manganese, uh, for everything. In fact, now uh, I saw a video where they were even borrowing angels from Africa. Calling angels from Africa. <laughs> like, hey, now the people of Africa are not enough. They need our angels also. <laughs> But the angels, they, they don't they don't chill it. They don't do like that. So, unfortunately, they didn't respond. <laughs> the, the angels refused to go. Beloved, this is a short sermon. But please, if you are going to really live a life that is truly fulfilling and satisfying, Embrace where you are. Amen. All the trauma, all the negativity, everything that brought you here, what you do, the Christian thing to do is to you bring it to Jesus. And then you focus your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says you shall keep him and her in perfect peace. The person whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. Amen. So you bring the issues to Jesus. Jesus, you know, that marriage damaged me. I am broken. I need help. Spirit of God, help me. Amen. And God will help you. He will show you what you did wrong and he will show you what was done wrong towards you and who you have to forgive and how you have to forgive and where you have to forgive yourself. You know? And where there is the need for healing, he will heal you. Amen. I know in church we're in a hurry to teach everybody to forgive and we make no space for healing. So people forgive when they haven't healed yet. And then when they get into pain, they don't understand, but I forgive, I've forgiven. Why am I still in pain? Because you can forgive in a day, but depending on how deeply you are wounded, it can take much longer to heal. Much, much longer to heal. Amen. But there is a bomb in Gilead. Amen. The Holy Spirit can help us. And he loves us. He loves us. God loves you. So he says, fix your mind on what is true. He says you are the apple of his eye. Amen. He says he cares about you. If you are the only person on earth, he still would have come to redeem you. Amen. What is lovely? You are beautiful. You are beautiful. Amen. He made you in his image and after his likeness. Don't listen to what the fashion people tell you or what the artists tell you. In another life, I'm a photographer. I can tell you, if you study art history, there was a time when, univers basically universally in every culture, there was a time when the most beautiful women were all fat. Today, it's the definition of fat, you know. You have to have a lot of, and then a time comes and then it changes, you know. When I was growing up, if your trousers sag, they laugh at you because it means uh, you are deficient at the backside. 
used to call the my nickname was flat bottom flask from, from from class because you know there's nothing at the back. And then a time came when it became fashionable, and then they called it Dotofista. So I saw everybody making their trousers sag. I'm like, my mom gave me hell over my trousers sagging all the time because there was nothing to hold it. And today it's fashionable. Don't let fashion dictate how you feel about yourself. Amen. You know, there was a time when it was baggy clothes in the 90s when I was going, I guess I'm Kalkani jeans, huge. Today it's skinny. In the 60s, it was skinny. 60s, 70s, it was skinny. And then the bus, very soon you see the, the big bus, the bell, you know, ring my, it's going to come back. So you can't let fashion tell you who you are. You, you get it? You can't. God says, fix your mind on what is true. You are precious. You are beautiful. He loves you. Yes, you may not have done everything right. But nobody ever does anything right. Only Christ. So don't be too hard on yourself. Amen. And learn to self-care. Learn to love yourself. Amen. When you learn to love yourself, you can properly love me. When you learn to fill your well, you can draw water and give to me. Amen. When you learn to pamper yourself, then you can learn to pamper others. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your kindness. We thank you for your word this morning. Father, teach us and help us because this is not what we are used to hearing. But this is your word. Help us, Lord. Help us reconcile what needs to be reconciled. Help us forgive what and who needs to be forgiven. And help us understand how precious we are to you. Help us and teach us to self-care. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.